0: You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast, bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah Utes. Now, your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott.
1: Welcome on into the Double Tree Suite Studios. This is the Utah Man Podcast. I'm Cameron, and we have Ryan. Hey, Ute Nation. And Scott. How are we doing tonight? Let's talk some Utes. Let's talk some Utes. So right now, Scott and I are together.
2: Well, not really together. (laughs) We're in the same room.
1: (laughs) Ryan, our world traveler, spends the summer in Europe.
0: How's the weather, eh?
1: (laughs) So Ryan is the world traveler. He's up in Minnesota. Let's just hurry and get into it. Utah comes away with an ugly win against the Beavers of Oregon State. Heck, a win is a win. It wasn't pretty, but a conference win. No, it wasn't I'll take, even it. I'll take it anytime. No, that
2: was one of the <laughs> that was one of the worst football games I've ever watched from both sides. Bad football around. Obviously the weather, you know. We can't really take a whole lot from this game due to the weather cuz those are conditions you're just not going to see again. And uh, I think from from all accounts, it was a lot worse than what it even looked like on television. So, but not not a lot to take away. But uh, we'll break uh, we'll break some tendencies down and uh, and uh, jump a t- take a good look at things here because definitely there's some frustration in Uteville with this offense.
0: What else is new? It's all we've been talking about for three years on this podcast and how pathetic the offense is.
1: Okay, let's talk about it. What, what's the reason why it's pathetic?
2: Well, I just think we're just not a very efficient offense, and I mean, I I, I kind of spent uh, part of the day just looking over stats and uh, looking at at a number of things because, kind of like I said, it, it's hard to just to, to take so much from this game and say, oh well, our offense is awful because because of those conditions. But if you break it down over the whole season and kind of what we're seeing, last year the 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 trend was ah oh, Travis Travis is the problem. He's awful blah blah blah. And that was the problem with our offense. Well, I mean, he's gone and uh, yeah, as we look at things, we're still just not very efficient offensively. Um we've seen some improvement in some in some areas and others not so much.
0: In regards to this last game specifically, I, I know it's hard to to take a lot away from this because it's due to the weather condition. But if you if you just compare the halves, I think it was completely different. I mean, if you look at the first half, Williams ran really well, almost 150 yards, I believe, in the first half. They used Butler Bird uh very well uh and got him out into space and then for whatever reason it seemed like in the second half they went away from all of those play, well at least from the butler bird plays and then they just kind of got into this rut of run williams up the middle on first down run williams up the middle on second down for no gain or short yardage and then Troy Williams would get sacked, and we'd have to punt, or there'd be run again, run again, incomplete pass, and we punt. And it just seemed like—I I mean, I realized we had a lead, and maybe, you, maybe the instructions were to sit on that lead because yeah, their you, offense you mean, wasn't going to score. And, you, you mean you
2: mean that insurmountable twelve-point lead?
0: Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. But and I know Oregon State is no world beater by any means, and they—they they probably weren't planning on them. Uh, making a comeback in those types of conditions, but when you are when you give a football team, a, a Pac-12 football team, opportunity after opportunity because you keep punting in the ball, that's going to come back to bite you. Luckily, it didn't, but it very well could have, and against a better competition, that is going to come back to bite us.
2: Well, it, I mean, it's kind of the trend we're seeing. I mean, I I get. It. I mean, we're kind of used to once we get a lead, we we kind of sit on it and we just are we definitely become more conservative and uh, don't want to make that crucial turnover that can get a team back in the game. The problem is, we ran uh Joe Williams 34 times when he hasn't been playing or conditioning for over a month, but we needed him to carry it 34 times. Did we? We we had Butler Bird who we didn't utilize in the second half. Butler
1: Bird only had a handful of plays that he could have ran.
0: Yeah, well, so you're going to guess run what? The same, you're going to
1: run the same. Joe Williams, Williams ran one play the whole second red half.
0: Shirt here for one carry. Use use him. You you guys were talking about how you, you, you William know, Williams carried so many times, and and Bird only had a handful of plays that he was capable of running. But you but Devonte Henry Cole gets put in. And blows his redshirt year, and they only use him one time. If you're concerned about how many times Williams is carrying the ball when he's not conditioned for it, then why do why do you I, burn someone's redshirt year and I not utilize it? I wasn't
1: concerned with Williams.
2: No, I Re- Williams looked good, but here here's the concern: is he never had thirty carries in a game before, and he's just coming off not playing for a whole month, and all of a sudden we're going to run him to death against a stacked box okay. with nine
1: guys in the box. What almost. did What did Troy do in the passing game? Four of 13, you want him to keep throwing it? In the second half? Scott, four of 13, you want him to keep throwing it? He,
2: most of those attempts came in the first half. The second half, he hardly threw the ball at all. Oregon State all of a sudden started throwing the ball, and they were having success.
1: So you can't tell me it was strictly on the weather. I didn't I'm not saying the weather I'm saying four of 13 you want him to keep throwing it I'm not saying
2: rely on 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 the pass but hey throwing a pass throwing a deep ball even if you have no intentions of completing it just to keep the defense honest I mean, it was just, hey, we don't even care at this point. We know you're stacking the box. We're not even going to try. But We're just going to run
1: up the gut. You just want the clock running. You don't want the clock stopped, and you just want to get out of there with the with the W. And
2: and I I believe that was their mindset. Um, but the problem is that's the mindset too often. I mean, look, as of right now, Utah is number one in the conference in time of possession, and it's not even close. Washington state is in, is in second place and we beat them by nearly 40 minutes. We doing a great job of holding on to the ball. But in con-
0: Yet yeah, where do we where do we stack up in scoring?
2: Listen, well listen here if you will let me talk. <laughs> Just <kidding. laughs> But in in contrast to that, in red zone efficiency, we are dead last in the conference. Meaning we're moving the ball between the 20s, and as soon as we get to the red zone, we fall apart. We're scoring um, 75% of the time, but we're only scoring touchdowns once we get into the red zone 35% of the time, which is horrific. Well, it's why we're 12. I mean, it's why we're struggling offensively is we're just not being efficient. There's times where we move the ball and we look really good, and then we just fall apart in the most crucial moments, whether it's penalties, whether it's turnovers. Troy had two fumbles in the red zone on Saturday. You know, I mean these types of things, how many times have we been stopped now in the in the red zone on fourth and short? And uh, all of these things just add up. And it's really you know, we, we we talked about, hey, we needed to take a step forward this year. There's no there's no question Troy Williams is a much better passer than than Travis was. And he brings a lot more to the table. But right now, we're still ranked ninth in the conference in passing yards per game. We really have not made that big of a stride like we hope we were hoping to do or that we thought we really were doing.
0: Maybe try to break down this red zone thing a little bit. Um, it is horrific. And is it is it lack of execution by the players on the field or is it? For play calling, or is it a combination of both?
1: It's execution by the players. It is,
0: and strictly for execution. Well, I mean, you you, he,
2: you hear Whittingham say all the time: players are the ones that make the plays, right? But a lot of our mistakes seem to be mental. They're turnovers, their false starts, their penalties that just kill our drives once we get into the red zone, and to an extent, that's on coaching. The coaching. Needs to make sure these guys are doing the job, but at some point these guys have got to step up and and stop making these same mistakes over and over. If we're gonna if we're gonna see progress,
1: well, even Corey Butler birds yesterday on the coaches show about the red zone. How when they go out and watch film, the plays that A Rod is calling, they're set up to to have success. It's when they're watching film they're noticing that players are. Missing a block or someone's not executing correctly, that's where these issues are coming in and Once you get in the red zone, defenses tighten up that's the hardest part in the whole field to move the balls once you get in the red zone
0: i would i mean I agree with that, and I think execution is a big part of it, but I have a hard time not putting any responsibility on the play calling because if you look at this. And you look at, just look at our fourth down conversions. Yeah, we're off the charts this year for whatever reason. But the last couple of games, those have started to go away because people, the other teams know exactly what's coming. They know fourth down and short, we're going to run it. Well, they know that. There's no, there's no creativity. There's no deception. It's just run it and they, they know it. they They know how to stop it
2: it's it, for starters it's it's uncanny how many fourth and ones we've already had this year and it's true that is bizarre in and of itself but yeah i would agree you know granted when you go nine for nine and you run it up the gut you know you're not gonna nobody's gonna complain about that but when all of a sudden it stops working that's when everybody starts saying hey well let's change it up let's let's mix it up and And granted, you know, uh, A-Rod knows what he's doing. And if the players are are pretty confident about what he's calling, I think a lot of it does fall back to execution. But if the players aren't executing, (laughs) that falls right back to coaching. So at the end of the day, it's a team effort. The the coaches have got to do their job. They've got to do a better job. And these players have got to uh, um, execute what's called and what they've been working on in practice. And and Whittingham said it. They've been working like crazy to fix these red zone issues. It's not like they're ignoring it and they're, they're not aware it's a problem. They know it is, but for whatever reason, they just cannot seem to get over the hump consistently enough because that game should have been over in the first half if we scored on the possessions on all those early possessions like we should have. Yeah, but those mm-hmm. turnovers just, uh, those hurt, and then and then the game gets interesting and, uh, you know, kind of goes out the window. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of factors at play here, but uh, it all kind of, for me at least, this is just my opinion, it really comes back to a conservative approach offensively. Because whenever we have a lead, and we've seen this for years upon years through multiple coordinators, whenever we get a lead we get a little bit more conservative. We try to drain that clock. We try to run the ball. But in all but one of our games this year, we've been down, in Pac-12 games, we've been down by double-digit scores, which has forced us to throw away the conservative game plan and start throwing the ball. And we've come back. we put drive after drive after drive together. And once we start becoming a little bit more aggressive, and I, I just think that is our downfall: is this conservative nature, this conservative culture, offensively that we have, um, to just not make that crucial turnover at all costs.
0: I, mean, I, I would agree with everything you said about being about the conservative nature of the offense. And I tend to think back to what, how it was when. Yeah, I mean, hey, Whittingham's an outstanding coach, and I don't want to – no way you want to get rid of him. But you look back at how it was when Urban was here and how we had such a good defense, yet we had an offense that moved the ball and kept it exciting too. You You can have both. I don't understand why it has to be one or the other.
2: I you know I, I I don't know if any of us have the answer to that. I think it really comes back to how Whittingham feels is the best way for this program to win games, and you can't to an extent we can't argue that. I mean, he's eighteen. No, and, he's, he's eighteen and he's four in his and last whatever, twenty-two yeah. Pac-12 games. You know, we're tied with Stanford. So, what he's doing is working. It's not always the prettiest um which which i think as you fans we've come so close to winning the Pac-12 South and we're 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 on that trajectory again this year it's that offense that if we could get the offense to a pretty good level things would open up and allow this so take some pressure off the defense and allow us to to uh, To make the plays down the stretch that we need to to win these games because we've started off 6-1 and one for the third straight year. It's been the second half of the season that's been our struggle when injuries pile up like they have, like none other this year. And then on top of that, we we still have a lot of good teams ahead and people are figuring out what we're doing. So you know, there's a lot of factors at play there, but I think that is that is the, the one aspect that is holding this back from really just going out and winning this division, running away. Um, we just can't score enough points.
1: So I think I agree with you guys. It's really hard to kind of gauge the offense after this one game. You know, there was reports that even the coaches up in the booth couldn't see the field very well because of, like clouds or fog or whatnot, so the whole thing was weird. Why are you laughing at me? Oh, that's a good excuse. Well, that's just that's just what I they can't claim. see the deck filled. That's what they claim. There's a mountain in the way, so I'm switching it over to the other side of the ball with defense. Injuries hit the defense
2: again. This is unbelievable. These injuries, how they're piling up like this.
1: I don't know what we need to do as a fan base to reverse this curse because something needs to happen it's weird what's we, going on We
2: need Joe Boo to sacrifice a live chicken <laughs> Seriously this is unbelievable Sunia goes out looks like I I don't know if we're going to see him uh, anytime soon and who knows about Marcus Williams but it doesn't necessarily look good even if it's even if it's something minor I would suspect again this is just guessing but I would be surprised if we see him
1: even for Washington. Yeah, and the only thing that Whittingham will say is that it's not season-ending at this point. And, and the thing that scares me is, obviously,
2: nothing new here, but we how, how much we rely on our defense to keep us in games when the offense is struggling or not quite uh, uh, producing like it needs to. We've been susceptible to the deep ball. Regardless of our the experience we have at corner, we've been we've been bitten pretty good uh, with the deep ball this year. So it scares me with Josh going to play Josh Rosen, not having Marcus Williams back there. I I suspect they're going to uh, throw the deep ball early and often, and they're going to test uh, Fogle, and they're going to uh, they're going to uh, test our corners because you know it's there on tape. And uh, they can't run the ball, so I think they're going to definitely try and, and and do some damage through the air. Which, if they have success, could open up the run game for them a little bit.
0: Well, I would completely agree with that, that. That I think a lot of this game is going to come down to the ability to put pressure on Rosen and make him throw quickly, or they uh, can make quick decisions because they, he is, he's a great quarterback, and he is going to. He is going to find or try to find ways to uh, get the ball down the field because we have been susceptible to it.
1: So, sticking with this game against Oregon State, Chase Hansen, I had his best game of this season so far. That first half, he was everywhere. He, he was everywhere. Tackle for a loss, was, a sack, an interception. It was great to see him. Just play like that and if we can get that more consistent that's awesome. And especially with well, Marcus Williams out, we'll, we'll need it.
2: And we've seen it for what, three games now, I believe, where they've really pulled uh, Chase closer to the line of scrimmage. You know, he's not occasionally he's back in in uh um playing deeper. But uh he's
1: almost kind of filling more of a linebacker role as of late. And I, and in I wasn't saying he wasn't playing well before. I oh, no, 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 no. uh you know, the big impact that uh, no, was we expecting.
2: I mean, uh, the first few games he he wasn't out there noticeably making a lot of plays and uh, he's definitely coming on. The last game he was everywhere. You know, he's he's great getting into the backfield and making plays and disrupting things. And I I really like seeing him play closer to the line of scrimmage because he he he's just one of those guys that goes out and makes plays and uh, closer to the ball is going to give him more opportunity to make a bigger impact in the game defensively. So I really like what Scalley's done um in those adjustments so far. But with uh with I'm assuming Marcus Williams not going to play on on Saturday, will that will that game plan change and will uh will Chase continue to play closer to line of scrimmage or will he be forced to uh, to to come back and help uh, uh, Fogle a little bit.
0: I kind of think well, it's it's hard because I think he he's done so well with closer to the line of scrimmage, and with Tafioli possibly being out, that I think that opens up a spot for him to play closer to the line of scrimmage. But with when you look at UCLA's inability to run the ball uh, to this point this year, um, maybe you move, move him back so you you can protect that deep ball a little more.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Just put it on the defensive line and, uh, and, uh, both Kavika Latalasanga and Cody Barton to, to fill the, the role at, at backer. And, uh, and I, I'm sure you probably, I, I would suspect we'll probably see a combination of things. They're not just going to put in a one look for all game. They'll, they'll mix it up. But, uh, he's definitely been making an impact and, uh, we're gonna need him to, cause it. Uh, I I'm pretty nervous not having Marcus back there. He's he's, I mean he he changes game plans offensively by himself. So with him back not back there, um, they're gonna get tested.
1: All right. Well, I'm kind of done talking about Oregon State, cause it was an ugly game. Like Be- I've said, because there's a mountain in your way, you can't see the field. You're done. We've gotten the W. <laughs> Let's move on. Now, before we kind of go into UCLA, I did want to talk about the big news on Utah extending their contract with Under Armour. And before we go any further, just let you guys know that we're brought to you by our friends at Double Tree Suites by Hilton in Salt Lake City downtown on 110 West, 600 South. Go in and check them out. Their phone number is 801-359-7800. All right, so Utah extends their contract with Under Armour. Scott, I know on social media you are very vocal, very active on what Utah wears on the field, whether it's football or basketball. So this segment, I'm going to be brave, and I'm going to let you control it. So uniform, Scott. (laughs) And I'm going to time you. This is like the presidential debate. You have two minutes.
2: Well, it is my duty to God and my country to stand up for the fact that we need to wear red. Seriously, when did we become Highland High School? All we do is wear black and white all of a sudden. We've worn a red helmet, count it, one game this year. One game. It's
0: ridiculous. (laughs) It is starting to get ridiculous. 'Cause I mean I, that new black helmet I really like. But when you pair it when we go on the road and you pair it with black pants and a white jersey when our school color is red, I just don't understand it.
2: And and I and I understand the the players are the ones that are making these decisions and uh black is is the in color. It's what they like, it's what they want to wear. Um, maybe on recruiting pitches, we need to start saying, if you want to wear black, go to Texas Tech, because this is Utah. We can wear black every once in a while, but we're red and we're white. And I'm an old man. I am old man peace on this. Uh, I don't care.
1: We wear red. My only thought on uniforms, I'm, I'm good either way that it doesn't really bother me one way or another. I don't know why it
2: bothers me so much. And I know it's ridiculous. Because like, you're an old man. Yeah. So I. But this is like the only subject that turns me into old man,
1: other than the, our office. <laughs> I did talk to a recruiter out in California not too long ago about uniforms and having alternate helmets and all that. He says it's garbage. He doesn't like it, but that's what kids want. Oh, it is. And so it is. Um, There's no question about some, that. That's recruiting, that's really, he said, that's all what it's about. When and, I mean, when you do alternate stuff, it's really just to get the kids excited that are in the program and kids get excited that are looking at your program. The, so there, that's there, why I, there's
2: kids that are committing to schools based off uniforms. So, as, of l- hey, course, it's, imp- it's as an as important thing. As long as thing.
1: Utah wins, we can wear purple.
2: Start calling us the horny frogs?
0: Rumor has it, though, if we go to the Rose Bowl, we're breaking out the, the brand-new gray uniforms.
2: <laughs> oh, heavens. All right. I would, I I'd would, rather I... go to the Vegas Bowl. <laughs> I would vote for gray. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that's you know, so why
1: we're on the topic of uniforms. You see the, the basketball new unis? Okay, those I do have a problem with. We finally got rid of mountains on basketball and they're back. What are they? They're shark teeth. They're terrible.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what? Like Seriously, what I get... That we live in a mountainous region. We all get that. But why, I, Under Armour and whoever's signing off on these uniforms up at the U needs to reconsider. Because it looks like somebody went up to my third grade daughter and said, draw a uniform with a million triangles in there, go. Because that's what it looked like. Like last night when I was looking at them, I couldn't take my eyes off the triangles.
0: I just had a thought. Maybe they're
2: not mountains. Maybe it's a camp of teepees. We've got to to break the mold and get rid of this love fest with mountains. I mean, (laughs) does Iowa have, like, cornfields on theirs? No. Do people on the east and west coast have ocean waves on their uniforms? Why why do we have to have a topography map on our uniforms? Uh,
0: Nebraska, who's... Mascot is the Corn Husker. It doesn't even have corn on there. <laughs>
1: All right, I think we can kind of. Did we go over our two minutes? I think Cam? We, I think you went over your two minutes there, Senator what, Scott. W- what so are you going to do about it? <laughs> just my final thought on uniforms: get rid of the mountains, put the beehive oh instead of gosh. mountains, and we'll be good. Even some oh gray. Oh
0: boy! Yeah, Here we
1: go. Start calling us the Arena, the Utah Blaze. All what? right, so Utah's headed. Out to Southern California to take on UCLA. They're coming in at 3-4 on the year. 1-3 in conference. Before we go into the game, we do have some breaking news. We can confirm that ESPN and Game Day is very interested in coming in to Salt Lake to broadcast the Game Day from Utah, Washington. Now. A lot of that hangs on Utah and Washington both winning. However, there are serious discussions and contracts being discussed between ESPN, the university, and businesses in the Salt Lake area. So that being said, let's break down this UCLA game and see if Utah can get a win. And hopefully we're going to have game day here two years in a row. Four, that'd be the fourth stop for game day here in Utah. Big for recruiting. That's big. That
0: is big. It's big for recruiting. It's Yeah, I mean, it's great for the program if if that happens. But, I mean, it's, I think you're right, Cam. All, it's all going to hinge on the fact that uh, Utah wins the game uh, against UCLA.
2: Well, and if they come, I think we should do something pretty... Pretty
1: spectacular, like more black in our uniforms. <laughs> Maybe that's when they'll bust out the grace. So UCLA is not Just having the no season that you know they kind of expected. And I think a lot of college fans and a lot of media people were expecting uh, UCLA to have. Just two quotes that I wanted to throw out from their game last week against Washington State, which they lost. Uh, Jim Mora says... I've never in my career been a run game as awful as this. They had 43 yards, and then when receiver Darren Andrews was asked about the atmosphere in the locker room after the game, he responded with, I'd rather not say. They rank 126 out of 128 programs for rushing yards per game. They don't run the ball well. So help they're me under hundred yards. So help me, they better not come out and run down our throats. <laughs> Here's the kicker: they had 43 rushing yards against Washington State, but they were still in it at the end. They had two chances to win that game if they don't turn the ball over. Well,
2: well the, the, I mean, they're a mirror of Utah right now. They have a they have a really good defense. So you know, for us, just to think, okay, we're gonna have a breakout game. Our offense are going to get things going. I, I expect another ugly game on Saturday because both teams play really good defense and both teams struggle offensively. So, and I mean, we, we should know this better than any other program in the country. You play good defense, you're going to stay in most every game. And I think that's a big factor why they, you know, they don't have a great record. But they've been in most every game they've played. They just haven't pulled them out like we have. And uh, so I would suspect we're going to see another, you know, just snot-noggle game between these two. And uh, there's going to be times where they're going to both make some big plays, but it's going to be a lot of punting involved. And uh, But, yeah, I, I don't think you can sleep. they got a lot of athletes, and, and they uh, they're good defensively.
0: But I think one key, one key for Utah to be able to go down there and have a chance to win is, is getting Tim Patrick back on the field. Uh, I mean, obviously he's been absent the last couple of games because of, of injury and, and I think it's shown in the, in the ability for the offense to produce. Um, but if you get him back on the field with some of those other weapons like, uh, Singleton and Sinkins and Butler Burke who are starting to, Step up a little bit. I think that helps
2: out tremendously. Well, and I think I mean hmm. Joe Williams showed really well last week, and I think if if we get Moss back, like we're expecting to get him, you know, I think we're going to be in good shape. Um, you know, especially yeah, as you said, if we get Patrick, if we start getting some of these guys back, that's going to help. Um, but yeah, it's going to be, we've got to be able to start taking advantage of some big plays again and getting some big chunk yardage through the air. And Tim Patrick is key in that because he's such a threat. Um, and in a lot of cases, you know, at least pre-injury, he was uh, he was getting a lot of attention from the, from the safeties, which helps out the other wide receivers. So if he can come back and be productive, and uh, Troy can get him the ball, that's really going to help out. And as wide as these running backs get healthy. That could be enough to get us going here again, and uh, if we can maybe eliminate some of these mental errors that have been holding us back, uh, I I think that's going to be the keys. I, I would be happy if we have a game where we just start eliminating these mental mistakes, and because uh, I think that I think that in and of itself will go a long way to help propel this offense forward. And I think one thing to keep an eye on, at least when UCLA has the ball, is when I mean, we all know Rosen's a pretty good quarterback. He's got a good arm. Um, you know, he's an elite level type quarterback. Their biggest problem this year is not him in the passing game, it's the wideouts. They lost, they lost most everybody to uh, either graduation or to the draft last year. Um, the, their their tight end and a couple of wideouts, so they've got a lot of young guys similar to what we have, um, and they're athletic. They're highly recruited guys. They're just not catching the ball. I was listening to an interview today by uh, their play by play guy and says they just they just can't catch the ball. They they have so many drops, kind of experiencing what we've seen for the last uh, several years. And so um, I think Rosen's putting the ball where it needs to be. It's just these guys aren't making plays. Let's hope that Saturday's not the day they s- decide to start making them.
0: Well, they've also, not only that, but they've also had a difficult time protecting him. That's why he's early. Exactly. Hurt, so.
2: No, that's a great point but there. Like, offensive line, d- struggle. I
1: did read an article today um, out of L.A. where fans are calling for their offensive line coach to be fired. His name escapes my mind, but he's also their run game coordinator. So the rushing game and their offensive line are really struggling, and they're calling for his head right now.
2: Hey, last time we played in the Rose Bowl, we sacked him ten times. It could it could be a similar performance. It's got it.
1: Got, we got it, and especially with Rosen coming off with you know some lower leg injury or lower body injuries, what they're saying, and uh, an injured throwing shoulder, we've got to hit him.
2: Oh yeah, you've got to hit him early and often, and uh, even if you're not sacking him ten times, but if you're putting pressure on him, making him leave the pocket, getting you know just keeping him moving, and so he can't get comfortable and into a rhythm. Mm-hmm. That uh, I mean, you could say that every week, obviously, but especially off a quarterback who's coming off an injured
1: shoulder. And I think with Rosen, you don't have to worry about him running on you. No, you don't. So that's why I think yeah you. Try to put some pressure on him. And I would love if he got hit every single time he went back to pass. You hear that pit of tea? Pin your ears back, buddy. It's have a, a f- green light. Have I- a field day. I want a green light this week on the pass rush. For a Dimick dimmick and pit of tea, baby. Before we get into our picks, we did have some emails come in this week uh, from you listeners out there. And you can always email us at utahmanpodcast at gmail. The first one I have is from Isaac Hyatt. He emails in that he really thinks that Utah's going to correct their problems in the red zone, that A-Rod's going to get some deep balls called and we're going to connect, and really he thinks it's going to be a smash-mouth, defensive-minded game. And, heck, if Rosen gets in, he thinks he's going to come up with some quality plays, but that doesn't really scare him that much. He thinks Utah wins 34-24. I like it. I like it. Thanks for emailing in, Isaac. Way to go, Isaac optimism just flowing out of that email. I hope you're right, buddy.
2: Booyah, Isaac.
1: I praying you are right. I may write him in for president. I love it. Okay, so I like the bold prediction by Isaac there, and I think we got another email in here. Scott, why don't you read it?
2: Yeah, so this one, uh, I, I've told you guys that we're kind of a big deal overseas. We actually have, uh, he's from Utah, but uh, he's uh, currently living in Sweden, Sweden. Uh, David, uh, make sure I can pronounce this correctly, Ledansky. L- L- and uh, he writes in, loves the show, R- getting a little frustrated with the offense, but uh, his big thing was the wide receiver, uh, the blocking, and uh, which is a good point because definitely struggled with that against Oregon State. Um, Especially on those screen passes. Butler Bird should probably be dead. <laughs> because uh, he got uh, he got drilled a couple of times, but uh, that's definitely an issue. Hopefully, uh, um, since A Rod loves the screenplays, that uh, we can get uh, get those fixed up here. But goes on to talk about how uh, this is going to be a breakout game for the Utes, and uh, he sees it as a thirty one twenty three ball game. So can't argue with that. Uh, I'm not sure we're going to score no, that many points, but uh, appreciate the email and uh, to uh, to our friend and friends over in th- Sweden. Um Go Uts,
0: <laughs> Nederland, Go Uts. I've got I've got an email here too. It says you guys don't know what you're talking about. You get out here and try to coach. Signed, Aaron R. <laughs>
2: Hey g- glad to see you're a big fan of the show, eh Rod? Was was this was
1: this tweeted straight from the the beach? Surfs up, bro. Surf's up, brat All right, again a big shout out uh to all our listeners and followers out there. You guys really helped make the show great. So let's go on with our Utah picks for this week. So Utah's traveling to Pasadena where UCLA is a seven-point favorite, yeah, I was a little surprised with that. But as Whittingham hates to say, it is what it is. What isn't what it is? Now,
2: that that was a bit surprising. I I get it because of all the injuries. We're traveling to the Rose Bowl, um, but I I it would be a little bit more understandable if if UCLA was producing a little better product on the field. Uh, The fact that they're struggling like they are,
1: injuries aside, I'm a bit surprised by a seven-point spread. This week, it's my turn to go first. I think Utah wins this game. I don't trust Vegas on this. I don't care if Josh Rosen is playing. He's still injured. They still are having problems. They're right now. They're hoping just for a decent bowl, like Vegas.
2: Well, their season's
1: on the line, They're, essentially. I don't really like what I've seen out of UCLA, other than them beating BYU. But I think Utah wins 27-17. to Ryan, where are you going with this game?
0: I am going opposite of what Vegas has. It's a a U by 7. Utah will win 24-17. And Scott?
2: Well, I think this is going to be uh, one... Cornhole of a game. <laughs> I think it's gonna be pretty ugly for most of the game and uh I'm gonna go with a low scoring 17
1: to 14 win for the Utes. Alright, and then as we we like to do at the end of every episode is pick three Pac 12 games. And right now Scott is somehow cheating, and he's in the lead at twelve and six. Ryan is eleven and seven, and I'm at a lonely ten and eight. So this week our first Pac-12 game that we're picking is Oregon at Cal, where Cal's a three-point favorite. I gotta go with Cal. Ryan, where are you going?
0: I too, I'm gonna go with Cal because Oregon is just a dumpster fire right now. I think Cal's gonna rebound from that. Uh... Lost they had against Oregon State, and Scott. Yeah,
1: well, there's a
2: rule on this podcast that you never pick Cal unless they're playing at home, because they're awful away from home. So it's the fact that it's at home, but this is a little, this is a little difficult because Oregon is they're playing for their life too, and Helfer's uh, playing for, yeah, coaching, I mean, for he's, his job. He's coaching for his job, so they're going to come out hungry and they're going to come out ready. Um they both have the potential to score a lot and neither plays a lick of defense.
1: Being that it's Cal at home, I too will uh, I'll go with Cal. Okay. And our next one is Colorado at Stanford. Uh the line opened up where Stanford is a favorite by three and a half. It's moved about two and a half right now. Colorado is really proving that they're a legit team this year. I say that because I don't know how long they can sustain this. I'm not a big fan of their coach and his haircut, so because of that, <laughs> I'm taking Stanford.
2: Oh, you're taking the trees, I,
1: <laughs> Ryan? Where are you going?
0: I uh, I think it was going to be a hard-fought game, and I'm going to i pulling for Stanford, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Stanford.
2: Wow, interesting. I, uh, Cam, you call, you went to Stanford, right? Mm-hmm. You guys are both going to Stanford. I, uh, I'm going to go Colorado. Only for
0: the fact that, only for the fact that it will help us.
2: Well, yeah, I, uh, I'm cheering, for, I'm cheering for Stanford as well because we need Colorado to start accumulating some losses here. But, uh, I think, I don't even think it's going to be close. I think Colorado
1: wins by two to three scores. Okay. And I, I do have to apologize for that to Free Ballin' Podcast. They're big Colorado Buffs fans, so I apologize I'm picking against you guys this week, but... I've, I've been
2: on Colorado's bandwagon all year long. Remember that when I picked Michigan? Picked you over Michigan?
1: And our Just last saying. Game, <laughs> just saying, Free Ballers. Our last game is Washington State at Arizona State, where Washington State opened up as a seven-point favorite. It's moved about seven and a half. I'm not quite sure what to think of Arizona State. Their record says that they're good, but their product hasn't been very good on the field. Did you, did you see they
2: looked awful last week. Did you guys see Leach this week bagging on them for, for, stealing, uh, for signs. stealing signs? I did. I, <laughs> I did. love
1: Leach. <laughs> that they're using some microphones or technology to steal signs. Washington State has really surprised me. I thought that that program was blowing up, especially when Leach calls them a JV softball team. But, like in Mike Leach fashion, he's gotten this team moving full speed ahead. So I'm taking Washington State. Ryan, where are you going?
0: I think Arizona State's uh, I mean, kind of in a world of hurt right now. Their backup quarterback's done for the year, and their starting quarterback is not mobile right now due to injury. And he just he just looked awful last week. So I, I am, too, going with Washington State. Scott?
2: Yeah, I'm going to go with Washington State as well. They've been treating me well, and I'm going to – plus I think think ASU is just – they kind of exceeded expectations early, but this is really the team we kind of all expected this
1: year. So I think they're running out of gas, so I think Washington State wins. All right, so that will do it for our picks, and we always welcome uh, your picks for the coming week and coming games. Then we can read your email on air like we did tonight at Utahmanpodcast at com, And Ryan, where can people find you on social media?
0: At Drum and Feather. Drum, the letter N, Feather.
1: And Scott, where can people find you on Twitter?
2: Well, you can find me, and I just quickly want to do a shout-out to our friends in Sweden and uh, to all of our other listeners in the Middle East and anywhere else. You can find me at uh, utman underscore forever. And... Uh,
1: in any language, you can find that. <laughs> and you can catch me in this podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Utah Man Podcast, and as well as our home at utahmanpodcast.com. Go Utes!
2: Go Utes! Go Utes! We'll be till I die. We're
0: good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah.